Welcome everybody to Explorify Canada podcast, the future of personal finance in Canada. My name is Ryan Mirix and I'll be hosting the online meetups where we get to hear from you, the listener, talking about all things financial independence in Canada. It's not just voicemails or emails. You literally get to say exactly what's on your mind and it will be released onto Explorify Canada. But remember, with great power comes great responsibility. So we do have a few ground rules. Number one, we are in the business of breaking only one taboo today, talking about money. As such, please do not bring up sex, politics, or religion. Nobody wants to know. Number two, please refrain from swearing or being a jerk. All criticism of each other or other Canadians or content creators should be constructive. It is very unhelpful to call somebody stupid and leave it at that. Explain your frustration so everybody else can learn. Three, please only use the first names of anybody you mention. We want to keep everybody anonymous for the very obvious reason that we are talking about money. It's okay to use the full name of content creators such as Ben Felix or Paula Pant. Four, and finally the last rule, it's just for me. I'm going to keep this entire meetup unedited unless somebody breaks a rule. There's no point in recording a meetup if I start to chop it up and paint a picture that makes me or the podcast look good. So my promise to you, the listener, is an authentic recording as is. A couple of disclaimers. All opinions of the participants are their own and do not represent Explorify Canada or its affiliates. All advice you hear are opinions only, so please, don't let this be your only source of information. Do your own research and seek an accredited professional if needed. And now, on to the meetup. Let's introduce today's participants. Hailing from Calgary, Alberta is Court. Court, I think you've been here before. You're on episode 10, moving from the US to Canada. Hey. Hey, yeah, good memory. You should remember that. It's your podcast. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I have it written down. (laughs) (laughs) Joining us also from Calgary, Alberta, is Jolie. You're also a familiar voice. You were on episode seven, The Slower Path to FI. That's right. Although I like to call it episode 007. (laughs) We gave you the coolest sounding one for a reason. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) Because I needed the help. (laughs) No, never. We also have another participant, Chris from Vancouver Island. Hey, buddy. What's up, guys? Yeah, thanks for having me on, Ryan. It's going to be a good time as I sit out here in the uh, tropical West Coast. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I'm getting blizzarded by a ton of snow right now. So it's just been nonstop here in Kitchener. So we have an awesome episode. I want everybody to learn your voices. So I think the best thing we can do right now is just pass the mic, so to speak, and give everybody a quick 30 seconds to explain who they are. So let's hear an elevator pitch. And Court, I'd like to start with you. You have a blog, you've been on a few other podcasts before. Um, So quick 30 seconds, who are you? Yeah. um, Hi, I'm Court. I am originally from Florida, uh, now live in Calgary. We moved up here in 2015. We have an Instagram account and blog over at Modern Family, Spin on Modern Family. Um, we are a family of three, a lesbian family of three. We have a daughter who's almost two, and we reached FI back in 2018 at the ages of 32 and 30. Awesome. And if you were to highlight something that you're really proud of that your blog has showcased, what would it be? I think the biggest thing that we're trying to push on our journey here with the blog and Instagram is that it's all about the mindset. It's all about the way you perceive life. It's not about the money, money, money per se. It's about happiness and finding happiness and pursuing happiness along the journey. And I think that's the ultimate message that we're trying to push. And I think people are getting that um, message from our blog, which I find really rewarding. That's awesome. Jolie, I'd like to pass it to you then. Who are you and what's your business? Hi, thanks, Ryan. So I'm a mom to two teenagers and wife to my husband, obviously, and we live here in Calgary. And we... uh, I've been an accountant for 20 years, and I just recently switched my role. I'm now doing financial coaching as well. My business name is called Wellbeing Coaching. The bean comes from being a bean counter, which I'm also very proud of. So that's who I am. I work with clients doing private coaching, and I also do uh, sessions for financial literacy. Very awesome. Very awesome. And Chris, 
I'm going to give you an extra 15 seconds because unlike Court and Jolie, you haven't had your own episode on Explorify Canada yet, but I think that's just a matter of time. So who are you and uh, what's your content? I am now just coming up on three years of since I left work. So I've been actually following the financial independence retirely scene for quite a while. So um, I've been blogging when I figured it out about just uh, seven years ago almost. So now being that I kind of as you fall on that fire journey, I just mostly write about kind of almost like court. I'm, I'm really cued in on mindfulness, the outdoors, the simple living, um, your, you know, the spiritual side, you know, how, how you go about every day as a good person. And I think uh, I've really found that a lot of people I, I find anyhow in the FI community are that way. They just they're really aware of everything. And part of it, maybe it's because that the stoic side do it. And we really, you're aware of, of uh, everything you do. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. So playing with fire documentary, we have all seen it. Yes. That would be yes. really awkward if one yes. of you said no. there was homework for this (laughs) (laughs) so i think we should talk about the good i think we should talk about the bad and i think we should talk about the ugly pretty much in that order so chris i'm gonna hand it over to you right away what did you like about the film i I like that it possibly you you never know what other people think of it but it was kind of a seeing someone's first experience to like what the heck is this all about kind of it's for some of us. I mean, it was a long time ago for me to, when I first found fire. So it's, uh, I'm trying to remember, you know, how did I fall into it? And, you know, did I, I think we, we go right to the deep end right away is what they did in the documentary. It's like you, you go, you just jump, you know, head first in and you don't and right into the deep end. So that's what they did. And it's like just seeing their first experiences with it and the excitement and, you know, kind of the nervousness of saying, let's go for it. That's what I liked about it. Hmm. Okay. Julie? Uh, So I would have three things that I would say are really good. The first one was Taylor's authenticity. Whether or not you could relate to her, I appreciated the fact that they showed that she was really struggling. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was a kind of an important thing. Now, We'll get into further along that line, but I like that they didn't show it as a glossy, you know, yay, everything is great. I also really liked that it's a conversation starter. So whether you agree or you don't agree, at least it brings up lots of questions and lots of debatable uh, aspects of all the different things that they did and what's really necessary and what's not. So it's really about starting that conversation. And The third thing would be that the community, I really liked that they, you know, went to camp and they were talking about people and then they had the spotlights from the other, um, the fire celebrities, right? I really liked that they were saying that, you know, it helps when you find your people. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. It really felt like, I mean, this is the only real movie that's ever been showcased about this. I mean, there's no other type of video content that really highlighted what Playing With Fire was attempting to highlight. And I guess we kind of have to embrace that as almost like an anthem for us. Court, would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I mean, that was essentially going to be my answer. I think the biggest pro is that a documentary on fire was created, period, right? You know, that shows that this movement is growing. It shows that people want to learn more and want to showcase it to the world. And I believe the Rekins family had only learned about fire within a very short period of time, like months, maybe a year before filming this documentary. So it showed how passionate and on board they were with it once they heard about it. And so I think that's the biggest like takeaway is like the spark that it created for them and it will hopefully create for some other people. Now, again, I think We'll touch on, you know, the, the bad and the ugly going forward here. But I think the biggest takeaway for sure was, you know, that this documentary even exists. The fact that they were willing to drop everything and create this, that means so much, I think, that people need to, like, respect and, you know, appreciate that they 
<laughs> dropped everything to shift their life to fire and in the process created this documentary and the fact that they were able to get like so many of the fire gurus on board like that must have taken a lot of time and effort for this brand new to fire family wanting to commit to fire and then just going you know balls to the walls trying to get all the all these gurus on involved and they were able to like that's awesome yeah, I don't want to rain on your parade a little bit, but <laughs> I mean, no, it, it's it's really monumental what Scott has done and the fact that he went out and wanted to film this documentary and he wanted to basically highlight it. But at, at the same time, you have to realize that he is a content creator. Like he's a, this is his business, right? He saw an opportunity to be able to film this documentary. So I don't know if it was all that, uh, you know, altruism kind of like aspect to it. I feel like he just saw a business and he's just like, I can make this film. I will be the first person to do this. I can cash in on this type of thing. Do you guys agree with that at all? I know I'm playing a bit of devil's advocate here. But again, that's anybody gets deep in the FI community. It's about being creative and finding uh, unique ways to bring in income. So he right off the start, he was living the FI life. You're right. Yeah. And like, why not use his knowledge and background in the filmmaking industry to capitalize on it? Right. Like if he was willing to, you know, just leave his job and create this. And even if he saw it as an opportunity, he wasn't at FI yet. Right. Like he still needed to bring in some sort of income. So if he can do this documentary and make money on it and enjoy the process along the way, why not? Right. Well, this leads me into my point then, because I was kind of setting up for this type of straw man argument that he's just seizing on an opportunity. And that was it because there are some people in this movement that get really offended by people who attempt to monetize any of it. I mean, Paula Pant putting ads on her podcast or Chooseify linking to courses that cost $500 and they're getting an affiliate link. Like they, they've both been openly critical of people who try to squash the fact that they want to make money and that what they do is actually a business and it's not just free, free, free just because they are at FI or they're they're rich enough or anything like that. So I wanted to kind of bring that out to the forefront and basically be like, it's okay for Scott to put out a film about fire and then charge people four bucks for it. You know, like, I think that's okay. Jolie, would you agree? Or, or do you think that monetizing a lot of stuff within the movement is generally bad? Well, I mean, you're coming, this is coming from someone who is not necessarily targeting fire people, but in using a lot of these same kind of techniques, I do the same thing, right? I'm a financial coach and people pay me to sit down and work with them. So uh, I guess people could have the same critique of what I do as well. But I think it's really comes down to, like Court said, it's about using your skills and sharing with people. And of course, there's value there, right? It doesn't have to be, you know, an hourly rate or this or that, but it, you should have to pay for value. Yeah, I mean, I agree with what you said, Jolie. I think, you know, if you have a way to monetize what you're doing and people are valuing what you're doing, and there are so many newbies out there to the fire community that just want to soak everything in. And you can, like, you can go read every blog post out there for free. Like you can go and do that. But, and, and there's not nothing saying anyone can't, right? So if people are willing to also pay on top of being able to access free material, like that's their choice, right? Like if they are going to find value in paying for something, why not? You know, why not try and monetize it? Like you're not competing, per se against the free stuff like that stuff is still all out there and up for grabs and anyone can go and read it it's just people are lazy let's be honest right and so if people can get something maybe quicker and but they there's a price associated to it they may be willing to do that or if someone wants one-on-one -on -one coaching right they may be willing to pay for that like i've been approached a couple times now asked to do coaching and i never thought of it but now in the back of my mind i'm like maybe I should start coaching and monetize it. Like I never thought that being on this fire journey would lead to monetization in some sort, but maybe it does, you know, and so be it, right? If people are willing to pay, why not? I think you should start your own financial coaching firm and call it well-being. <laughs> or something, you know, like just totally rip off Jolie. She'll come up and knock on your door. <laughs> You're both in the same city, right? So. <laughs> 
No, we're friends, Ryan. <laughs> no, you'll go out to your car and you'll be like, oh my God, someone keyed it. Someone keyed my car. <laughs> I wouldn't no. notice on my old van. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly, right? This is the fire movement. Nobody cares. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, but... It, it was $4 for me to watch the film and really $4. I mean, for them to monetize this whole thing. And then if people were to have such a huge argument with whether or not they should be paying for certain FI content or, or all the personal finance information thereof. I mean, at the end of the day, it was $4 people. It was four freaking dollars. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I didn't have to readjust my fire number when I paid $4. <laughs> and to just to add to that, the cost itself was relatively low. I know us in Canada, we didn't have viewings available to us um, because of the restrictions up here in Canada. We can only buy it or rent it now on, you know, media such as uh, iTunes or something. But for people in the States that who could go to, you know, theaters that would host it, it was essentially a, a third, a third, a third breakdown that a third of the costs were going towards the theater, a third of the costs I think, I believe we're going towards the person who hosted it and organized it. And the other third was going to Scott and his family. So he wasn't even making every penny that was being paid for these tickets either. You know, he was getting paid, but like, I don't think he was making a ton of money off of this. Anyways, I just wanted to pose that hypothetical to us all. But now I want to get into the bad. And I don't want you guys to confuse confuse the bad with the ugly because the ugly has to be something that you thought was just downright wrong or I don't know evil in some sense that they should not have put in the film or they should have put in the film and didn't but Chris I'm gonna hand it over to you first what was bad about the film oh she's putting me on the spot for these ones I'm too I'm too nice of a guy I'm like yeah it was okay (laughs) I, I joked to court on Instagram we were talking back and forth and I'm not an overly critical guy I kind of like give everybody their space um you and I are two different people that's for maybe, sure I know they were rushing to get <laughs> there and make the money but it kind of just it ended it ended too soon it would have been nice to have just like six months more right it was pretty pretty quick in there so at least you know they they got the house but you know how did that you know, that next part, because they bought a house, but then how does that work in their, their FI plan? Because, you know, your car and your house are your two number, you know, two largest expenses and personal finances. And uh, they really didn't highlight on that, you know, the buying the house, how did they justify it? And then how did it work out once they made the purchase? Yeah, they put an unusual emphasis on on the purchase of the home. I can understand relocating, but without a lot of numbers to it. Yeah, I think you're right. I I feel like the story just felt a little incomplete and a little incoherent. But Chris, I feel like you're holding back. So I'm going to switch over to Court. Court, you have the chat logs of what Chris actually said on Instagram. (laughs) So go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead and tell us what he really thought. (laughs) No, he was. Chris is like a very calm cucumber like he is very (laughs) humble with everything he says so um i will go off though um because i think he was responding to what i had posted my commentary um so it's going to be hard for me to split the bad and the ugly but i think the biggest one of the biggest turnoffs for me is that it it came off as a major struggle for them um which might looking back on it i watched it four times now so i'm not against the film. I, you know, I want to state that clearly, but I think it did come off as a big struggle, which we never personally went through in our journey. So it was just unrelatable for me. But that being said, I know I'm like this unicorn in the world and it likely is very relatable for many people out there. Um, You know, lifestyle creep is real, you know, and I think they had to go through this like sticker shock syndrome of, you know, realizing all the costs that were going through their bank day in and day out, pay, getting a paycheck and then it's out the door. And then they had to make all these quote unquote sacrifices to get down to a level where they can really increase their savings rate. And I think those sacrifices that they were having to make um, were just not relatable to everyone, at least BMW and a $2,000 per month food budget, like all that stuff I'm hearing it. I'm like, 
who does that? You know, I couldn't relate to that. But then I, like I said, I switch gears and like, okay, likely many more people than I imagine can relate to this. So I think for me, it was just, it was like a one story versus a more broad, you know, this is kind of everyone's story who was interviewed or, you know, there are multiple ways to reach Phi. I don't think that message got across uh, properly. It was just more like their specific story, which I think put FI in a bad light. Now, Jolie, I want to get to you in a quick second, but Court, I have to ask because you're one of the few people I can ask, but do you think this was something that was very American? Like, was that like an American problem, leasing those BMWs and having overly outrageous food budgets? Is that because they're American? I mean, I'm asking you because you're a dual citizen and you lived in Florida for so many years. I definitely noticed being in Canada versus the US, there's definitely more of like a status symbol associated to your car and associated to your house. And it's much more, you know, flashy, showy off versus Canada. But that's not to say it doesn't exist in Canada. You know, like here in Calgary, I hardly see any Lexuses or BMWs or Mercedes, but you see all the souped up trucks and those aren't cheap, right? So it's just a different, I guess, way that people spend money. But definitely, I think there is more emphasis, I guess, on the status of your life, you know, being looking rich versus actually being wealthy more so in the States. Yeah, that was a good answer. Actually, I totally forgot that you're coming from a place in Alberta. So you do have all those lift kits on those trucks out there. I can't even (laughs) imagine the costs. (laughs) When I was living in Edmonton for a year, I had a Hyundai Elantra and I think I was like the lowest person on the road by far all winter long. <laughs> yeah, I drive a Corolla, so I feel ya. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Jolie, what did you think was bad about the film? So I think that there should have been a lot more focus on the why. I spend a lot of time with my clients talking about their values and their goals and the why we would even do this. And I felt that that was really lacking in the documentary. And so that's why I didn't get a sense that Taylor was really bought into the whole idea. I think she was game to go along, but I'm not sure that her why was really satisfied. Yeah, I had... I don't know. I don't know about Taylor. I'm going to wait. I'm not going to weigh in on Taylor yet. Yeah, where, where are your comments, Ryan? You know, <laughs> I, um, I think what they did poorly with the film was the numbers. If you're going to mm. talk about building a money-making machine that should secure your retirement, and really that is what financial independence is. I mean, when you break it down to its most bare essentials, and Chris mentioned this right at the top of the episode, you increase your income, which Scott was doing by making this film, you reduce your expenses, which they did by moving, and then you invest the difference. And you know, you got to see them talk to JL Collins and whatnot. So I'm not saying that we had to get their specifics on everything, but they could have used something even a little more broad, or even some of the guests that they've had on like, Christy from Millennial Revolution, like she's been very open about her numbers. I mean, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of opportunity to throw some numbers on the screen, but I guess they were afraid of just losing people completely. And, but I, I, I thought that because this was a fire movie generally directed at us and for the rest of the world to see what we're doing, I mean, come on, our, our numbers are probably the biggest elephant in the room, right? I mean, once people figure out what you're doing, oh, you're on the fire movement, how do you do that? Like that's their number one question every single time, right? People want to be able to see the numbers. And I felt like they could have portrayed that in the movie a bit better. Totally agree. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I'm with all the comments. I'm in agreement everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of tough though. I mean, you know, the majority of the bloggers out there are anonymous and they don't put their numbers out there and they use these fake numbers. And But uh, so yeah, it's kind of hard how to, how you would do that in a documentary without being like, yeah, here world, here are my numbers. Yeah, I don't know how they do it. But I know that they had those little like flashes where they showed how close they were to retirement and whatnot. So it's and I, I think those were like intriguing. Like I was like, ooh, but I don't know if that's just because that's me. I'm in the fire movement. I'm a content creator. I'm I'm all about these numbers. Like I don't know if that that just got me excited and me only and or like us in the fire space only, right? Or if other people were just like, I don't get it. 
I, I don't know. I just like they calculate their fire number and then it switches to Scott making like 20,000 burritos <laughs> and then they have no, there's no numbers for it. And I mean, like, I know it's just a burrito and I know, yes, if you buy in bulk and you'll save money and yada, 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 I think we all know that, but it would have been nice if they put a little bit more of a cost versus time basis in there, even if it was just for like 10 seconds or something like that and just kind of broke it down you know, and I, I don't know, I felt like there is a classy way of them introducing numbers to the film, but they just didn't do it. So I know when I was watching with my wife, she had to pause in and say, like, why am I watching this dude make burritos? Like, it, it doesn't make any sense to me, right? Like, again, she gets why he's doing it, but there's no actual numerical or mathematical context to it. So it's just a burrito making scene. Yeah, and I agree with that. That part you were saying before about the little snippets of their timing to retirement and their savings rate, I had that under my ugly part, but I'll I'll bring it up to the table here. <laughs> in the bad. Are we on to the ugly? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> no, no. I'll, I'll leave it at bad. That's fine. I just, I get the numbers because I understand it. But to your point, Ryan, is like, they just threw up these numbers and they kept changing. It changed multiple times throughout the documentary. And I think like for those of us within the fire community, we may get it. Like we understand, you know, the 4% rule and 25 times, you know, we get all that, but it wasn't really explained at all. And so you just see these numbers like, oh, they moved into their uh, parents' house now. And so now they can retire in eight years. But it's like, no, they're not planning to live at their parents for the next eight years. So it's going to morph when they change their ways and move, you know, eventually to bend. And then they're you know, projected time to retirement changes again. So like, it makes sense, but it was not portrayed and illustrated clearly, I don't think at all. It's always easier when you actually talk to somebody and you aren't messaging back and forth and snippets of words. As you put that whole thought together, Court, yeah, that does make sense. The storyline, you know, keeping the the same theme and how to bring that message across and the continuity of that message, tying it all together was lacking. It did jump around. You're right. I think the positive side of that is I would hope that it would just be a conversation starter again to be like, wait, what were the numbers? How did that happen? And just to get people intrigued and to ask and want to learn more. That's the only way I can positive spin that. Yeah. And and I think you're right, because as much as we want to say, well, this movie was for us, I guess it wasn't. It wasn't for us. It was about us. It was for everybody else. Right. That's right. Yeah. Did you guys, any of you see the uh, Forbes follow-up article where they were interviewed? Um, I don't know if anyone's seen it. And Ryan, if you can include it in the show notes, but... I'll have to read the show notes. I haven't. No, I haven't <laughs> seen it either. I'll have to Google it first. Yeah, Me either. It was pretty good. I mean, it, was, it wasn't long, but that's basically what Scott was reiterating, I guess, or iterating, I guess I should say, in that article is that it was it wasn't really meant for us like those of us within the fire movement the idea was it was geared for people outside of the fire movement but to that point i don't think like i really wanted something to be able to show to my friends and family who aren't aware of fire or you know as soon as i bring it up they don't show any interest i wanted to give them something like here watch this and i didn't get that feeling afterwards unfortunately like i just i wanted more from it like it had so much potential And it just was like, it wasn't what I personally wanted to see from it. So it left me lacking in that sense. So, but that's, you know, Scott was gearing it towards people new to fire. So read that Forbes thing. It goes into a little more detail. And I think they cover a lot more detail into their book as well. So if anyone who's only seen the the documentary and not the book, I think you should read the book too, because it does go into some more numbers there. But I think it also just shows that they're kind of, newbies in the fire world and maybe maybe they don't understand the numbers enough maybe they do now but maybe at the time of filming maybe they didn't i i don't know you know it's it kind of leads you wanting more though do they mention anything about like playing with fire 2 or anything like that like did we they didn't there we got like the return of taylor or something like that like (laughs) i I don't know i kind of i feel like there's a star wars title that we can use here (laughs) i don't think they mentioned it there they might have actually because i have seen like a part two i've seen it discussed on random blogs and different outlets it might have been mentioned on this forbes article i can't recall offhand but i do think it that there might be a part two coming fingers crossed i'd pay four dollars 
I'd pay another four. <laughs> Six no, with five. inflation, I guess. No, no, I'll, I'll include inflation. <laughs> the comment that keeps coming up on speaking about Taylor there, you know, with her not being down with, I mean, that to be fair, if you look at like in the, in the Explore FI group chats and then even on all the blogs, when you read comments, it's always, well, I'm into it. How do I convince my significant other? How do I convince so-and-so? There's, there's always almost like a complete 180 with whoever you're doing it with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think Taylor was the star of the show, to be honest. Like her raw emotions really shined. Yep. I think, you know, I think she really took everything like seriously, like, and it was very hard for her to imagine this complete 180 from her current life. Like she, like she said, you know, I work hard. I should be able to drive a nice car. And I think that's a thought a lot of people have. And I think it's a struggle. Like you said, Chris, like to get your partner involved when they don't see the, all the pluses you have to convince them. And, and, really when there shouldn't really be any convincing, but you have to convince them. Right. And I think her realness, like, I think that was a really positive for the movie. Yep. Like I said before, it's really her authenticity is really, I think what was the star of this show. And again, I bring it back to, it has to be based on your values and goals and why are you doing it? Right. Whether it's uh, one person or a couple or a family, you have to decide that this is something that you want to do together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And my wife had that critique, right? She said, like, number one, I don't believe a word Taylor says. She's like, I think that was all <laughs> for the movie. And we're just going right into the ugly. Okay, so here we go. <laughs> okay. Uh, but this is my wife's point. And I, I sort of agree with her, but I also really agree with you guys. So let me see if I can put this into English for you guys. She didn't really believe Taylor, you know, especially with the scene where she's driving down the snowy highway or street or whatever. She's in her car. She's talking about how she likes it, but you can tell right by her face that she's not like, it, yeah, it was fine. <laughs> and then she just gives you that look and you're just like, it is not, everything is not fine. <laughs> I'm going to guarantee you that, right? And we might be able to, you know, poke fun at her and make fun of her, you know, for that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, her husband, made her the star of this film about radically changing your lifestyle. And who hasn't been in a type of situation where you are, I don't know, like you could just be eating a meal that you made and you batch cooked it and then you eat it and you're like, it's fine. When really you're like, this is horrible. I don't know what I created, right? (laughs) Like there's a million scenarios over and over again where we value different things and we just don't like what we created or what we chose or something like that. Our, our brain tells us it's good, but our heart, it just isn't feeling it, right? So I think it took a lot of guts for her to, to be as honest as she could be on camera, you know, to herself. And you, and you could tell that there, she was struggling, but that was the point. And anybody who's telling you that, well, I've discovered FI and now my life is infinitely better. And that was really easy and I didn't have to do a whole lot. I mean, we don't live in that society, right? I mean, she, and they purposely painted that backdrop. They came from a very consumer driven family where they saved little and bought everything else. Right. So I thought it took a lot of guts and I think it took a lot of courage. And I also think it was the truth. I think they portrayed the truth. And the truth is is that she thought it was fine when really it wasn't. (laughs) Yep. And I like to, I did like to see that struggle because I think that was the realness that we wanted to see. Now, I don't think that that's necessary for achieving fire or fire or anything, right? But that was her story. And so her story was the struggle. Yeah, which I think, like I said earlier, is very relatable. I think a lot of people realize fire when their finances are totally upside down and they're like, what have we done? We need to get back on track. And so I think a lot of people can relate to that. Mm-hmm. But like you said, you know, Jolie, I, I can't, right? Like, I don't think it has to be like that. You know, I don't think they had to uproot and leave, you know, the next moment from what it seemed like, you know, in the film, of course, it obviously, there was more time in between, I'm sure. Um, But, you know, before we jump into the ugly, or I guess we're already in the ugly, but I want to mention one more positive that I forgot to mention earlier. The scene where they went through their 10 things that they value the most in over a week, Mm -hmm. that is like, when I talk to anyone who's new about fire, I tell them two things, track their expenses, everything, income, 
and expenses, however, you know, detailed they want to go. And to do that, to write down the top 10 things that they value over the course of a week. And I think that scene was really powerful. And I think that was, could have been like the aha moment for the new fire people out there who hadn't, hadn't heard of fire before. And they see that scene and they're like, maybe we should do that. You know, maybe that will spark that conversation for anyone who's new to FI out there. Um, so I just, I know we're jumping around here, sorry, but I think that was a really great um, part of the documentary. We're not jumping around court, just you. (laughs) (laughs) But it was good. It was good. I I did like that. But you're going in the opposite direction of what I wanted because I want want more ugly. And I'm trying to psych up Chris right now because I want – Chris is such a nice person and I need to find a way to make him mad so I can get what he really thinks about this (laughs) film, the absolute ugliest part. So, Chris, imagine everybody in the grocery store – using plastic bags for their fruit. Okay, now what do you think about the plane with fire dog? Oh, man, there you go. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, definitely the, the vagueness, though, and, you know, really not – you needed to show numbers. There needed to be some way of actually showing the numbers, and, and then it just left it hanging. Uh, I, you know, you're looking at the time frame of a documentary, and he, they probably filmed it over under a year, but it needed to be longer. Um, you know, maybe he was eager to make get that side hustle paycheck coming in from him, as he said, making monetizing the movie. But yeah, I, I needed the real numbers so you could actually kind of convince people, and that just that kind of dead end. It's like, oh, we're in the house, great, that's it, life's great. As soon as you spend money on a house, that's awesome. Well, <laughs> you, how much did the house cost? Could you have rented? Did you do the math on that house? Did it work out in the long run? And they changed their minds how many times along the way why would you settle on buying a house in that short of a time frame? Being that housing is so important and crucial. It's kind of the basis of everything. Did they, you know, they didn't focus on that part of out. I think, you know, rent, the rent to own is almost one of the bigger uh, debates in the entire FI community that we see. Hmm. Oh, gosh, I don't want to go into rent versus owning though. <laughs> your, your pause shows how big of a deal and how much goes into picking where you live and they 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 just kind of went like oh i like this area or this area but it was mostly just like oh this is what a house is worth and here's our budget yeah i think actually the money mechanic also had that exact same critique he found that the film just focused a bit too much onto it and then once they did focus a lot onto it they left out so much and it's like well if you're gonna do it then do it right like if you're gonna have half an hour of this film gonna be about relocating like get into the dirtiness of it right you gotta tell people what's happening so i think that is a good critique chris and by the way i just wanted to say i saw your twitter picture where you had all the fruit lined up without bags or anything like that and it was on like the little rolly thing where they where they check you out yeah and I saw that and then I walked upstairs and I had my stupid peach. I bought one peach for my daughter to try and I had it wrapped in a plastic bag. And I thought, am I an idiot? Why the hell did I do that? Right. Uh, so I will say that your, your stuff is making its mark. It's making its mark on me. So now I'm not going to do that anymore because I guarantee you, I would not have bought a peach wrapped in plastic, like just one peach. I would have been appalled at the store that sold me a peach wrapped in plastic. But here I was rolling out my stupid bag and throwing it in. And then suddenly that was okay. So anyways, I just, yeah, I wanted to say that as a reprimand for, uh, for what I was saying before. And I was trying to egg you on. <laughs> good, good on you, man. There you go. Jolie, have you talked about what you found ugly about the film yet? I don't think you have. No, I haven't. Uh, so the big word is deprivation. I think it really honed in on how much, struggle it was because she didn't want to give up all of the the luxuries the niceties and everything felt like she was being deprived and i don't think that that's representative of the community at all oh great that is an awesome point that actually is a really really good point and i'd like to take a crack at it for a quick second but jolie i do want you to expand on it a bit more because one again my wife's points and I, I completely agree with this third one that she made and she said what they did is not what we're doing like that's not mm-hmm. the same because i didn't have to like she's like i don't feel like we're depriving ourselves by having one car it just makes sense for us so that's why we do it is that a big booster for our fire number like you betcha. And of course, she doesn't talk in those terms, right? But she just understands that like, 
a lot of what these guys did and like the unhappiness that you get to see, well, I think it's great that that was showcased because the truth is always important. I mean, it's fundamental, right? But yeah, it just seemed like they were like really agonizing over a lot of the stuff. And it's just like, you, you're kind of going in the wrong direction, kind of like what Court said at the top of the episode, right? Like this journey is about improving your life and being happy. And, and it doesn't seem like they they're doing that at all, at least not from Taylor's point of view, right? Like maybe they should have taken a slower path to Fi. What do you think of that, Jolie? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they are coming from a place where they've already succumbed to lifestyle creep, right? They've already had the lifestyle inflation that now they're trying to scale everything back. They're doing it all at once. And I feel like Taylor was taking most of the brunt of that because she was still working. She wasn't enjoying any of the extra time with the kiddo, right? Mm. So I think the the deprivation was was a big theme, but I don't think that it's necessary at all. Agree. And I don't I think before we jump into my uglies, because I got a list, um, I to add on to that, I don't think there was any talk, or maybe if there was, it was very little about recognizing their privilege either. Like right. they were going from, you know, oh, yeah. leasing a BMW to buying a $5,000 beater uh, Honda CRV, you know, beater in quotes, of course, right? You know, like how many people would love that car? You know, like how many people cannot afford a car and are forced to walk or oh. take the bus or take, you know, public transportation because they have to. It's their only means that they can to make ends meet. And like, so I think that point, and again, like I think for those of us who have are well down the path to file, like we get this. Um, and I think we would have, you know, structured the documentary differently. But I, like that point, I don't think was brought up at all. It was just to Jolie, to your point, it was all about deprivation. And you, you, they didn't see the other end of it is like, we get to drive a car, you know? Hmm. I also think another thing that they didn't really address very well is the house and the car, of course, are the two biggest things that are going to impact your budget, right? They didn't even show any kind of numbers or any kind of analysis as to, you know, maybe they could have just fixed those two things and stayed in San Diego. Hmm. Exactly. Like what, for me, when I was watching the whole thing, I'm like, Yes, San Diego is incredibly expensive. You have high taxes in California, you know, like I get why they moved, but they did not have to move. Like you saw the house that was getting packed up. It was a pretty big house. I'm sure they could have moved into a two bedroom condo or rented a place there and and saved up money and then eventually moved. You know, maybe they did do that thought process. And again, you know, we only saw a snippet of those decisions. But I agree. I don't think they had to up and move. Like, I'm sure that definitely helps being out of California and reduced taxes and lower property taxes, lower, you know, house costs. But that I don't think that was the end all be all decision. Like, I think they could have made it work if they wanted to. But at one point, you have to ask yourself, you know, does moving 100 kilometers down the road really make a film? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Uh, that's a that's a very snide <laughs> remark that I made, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but then playing off of that as well, I mean, it doesn't even most people would never go to those extremes either of being cheap or mooching off of your friends and family and just saying, yeah, I'm just going to stay with my parents for a month or two or three. And, you know, it doesn't have to be that extreme. Mm-hmm. And so I would say that's a definite ugly as a representative of the fire community. I agree. I think it came off like, oh, now I have to, like you said, Julie, like mooch off my parents and I'm just going to stay here for free as long as I can, as long as they'll let me, as long as I can deal with it, you know, what, whatever the case may be. And like, <laughs> you talk to so many people within the fire community, I, I don't think that was anyone's strategy of how to reach financial independence. Maybe it was part of the plans for some people, but I don't think that's, there's no like, rule book that you have to do that. And it, I, again, like, I just don't think there was enough clarity that saying, you know, this is not the only path that you have to take, right? Like this is just our path. And of course it was their story is their story to tell. It's their documentary, but like, I don't think it was illustrated in enough that there are many ways to fly. And again, it makes for good TV when, you know, you're living in cramped quarters with your in-laws, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can I be the one that messes it up and say uh, I very much appreciated that part? Because I think 
terrible thing we're seeing in society is that we're separating and siloing ourselves off and we don't appreciate the time we can spend with our family. You're devalued as a lesser person in society if you aren't in your own place. And how dare you live with your parents or, you know, lean on family or you're not leaning on it. You're just taking it as an opportunity to spend time with them. I appreciated it. Actually, I was the opposite on that part of the movie. I thought that was a rewarding experience that those parent grandparents would probably never have. And they often never do in North America to spend so much time with their grandchildren. That's true. Good point, Chris. That is a fantastic point because it wasn't all that long ago that three generations of a family was living inside one home, Yeah. right? And the reason they were doing that wasn't because it was all bunnies and rainbows. It was out of financial necessity because, you know, your grandma wasn't going to be put into a home and there wasn't there wasn't enough money and 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 all this available real estate that you could finance with everything everywhere, right? It just didn't exist. You had to make do with what you had. Yeah. I think it's also very cultural as well and kind of what you're used to. And I think it's it's more easily accepted if you're young rather than, you know, when you've got an established career and kids and all of that. I think it gets to be less acceptable, I guess. But uh, I think it's it's one of the bonuses or the, the reason we choose to, you know, go down the path of, FI is so that we can do those things or, you know, a big factor is always that we can slow down and experience more things and spend more time with family. Uh, That's what Court writes writes about a lot. And, you know, she's reaping the benefits of that right now. That is very true. I think uh, to your point, though, Chris, I, I totally agree with every point you're making. I think for them, though, they were only they were more using their parents is what it came off as, you know, Yeah. but yeah. I agree and, with you. I agree. I think there needs to be a more positive spin on, you know, spending time with family, like making an effort to have the time and dedicate that time to spend with family, whether that means more vacations to visit them or living with them, you know, whatever the case may be. I agree completely with your point. I think, you know, family is the most important thing out there. Um, But for me, for this movie in particular, and this documentary, it was more like, we're just going to use our parents in a sense to get free rent. And to support your point, then it's all about the the lens you're looking at it from. So all of us who are well down the path or there already, I find you become really aware of things and you you see those things and understand it at this point. But when you're first, yeah, your first experience, you're like, oh wow, they're cheap. Yeah. So definitely that's <laughs> is like, oh, they're just being yeah. cheap. Yeah. Well, I just want to say I consider you guys all family members of mine. <laughs> you're just in my extended FI family. That's all. Excellent. When can I move in? We're coming to visit. (laughs) I'm just going to disappear off the face of the earth. (laughs) Okay, guys. Well, this has gone on for quite a long time. I think we've really hashed it out. I have more uglies. I didn't get to do my uglies yet. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, Court. I'll keep it quick. Ryan, did you not follow her on Instagram? It It was long. It was awesome. And the feedback from everybody was pretty good. It was. It could be like a five-part blog series. <laughs> you know how bad Court is at Facebook. I'm like a beginner. I'm a beginner at Instagram. I'm just dipping my pinky toe in. I don't even think I have a picture up or anything like that. So yeah, no. Um, okay, Court. I'm gonna limit you to two and a half minutes. Let's get her done. So I felt like they had this amazing opportunity to interview some of the most influential members of the FIRE community and ask them to share some of their wisdom to the general public to showcase what FIRE is really about, right? But unfortunately, it seemed like the documentary was 80% about their story and just 20% of the time was focused on the FI gurus. And I feel like it should have been the total opposite. Like, I don't think that they should have cut their story out completely, but they had all these people lined up. You know, they had J.L. Collins, they had Vicki Robbins, they had Millennial Revolution, you know, mm-hmm. goes on and on and on, Mad Scientists, you name it. All these like big names within the FIRE community. And they did interview them. And I'm not saying like they didn't, right? Like they did touch on aspects of their story, but like nowhere near where it should have been. I felt like we needed way more of what the experts had to say, you know, to your points before, you know, we needed more numbers. We needed more staggering facts. We needed more stats on computer consumer spending, more facts on what truly brings happiness, more insight to their mindset, you know, their strategies and stories of people who have already reached FI did it, you know, 
I think they had this, you know, incredible opportunity to maximize the airtime of this documentary, to have the founders and most well-known cast who are all on board to get interviewed. You know, they were all there in this one film and they all have unique stories to tell. And like, again, like I've said earlier, you know, there's no cookie cutter way to fi, but instead it turned into the story of like extreme sacrifice, like we mentioned before, you know, due to lifestyle creep. And it came off to me as, you know, so much deprivation in there, you know, and like I said earlier, you know, I, I wanted something so bad that I can send to my family and friends. And I, sadly, I didn't get that feeling, you know, with this, this film itself, you know, and I understand, you know, where they're coming from, you know, but I don't think it was a good depiction of what fire really is. You know, the last point I'll say is there was emphasis at times on like this cult connotation versus the community. And I think the FI community is so welcoming and so giving. And we all, like those of us who have reached FI, we want to show the world like what we've done so that you can do it too, because everything we've done is replicable, you know? And we want you, like dear reader, dear listener, whoever, to become a happier version of yourself. You know, that's it. There's nothing in this for the four of us, right? Like all we want to do is, you know, share what the knowledge that we've learned, you know, so it's not a cult, you know, it's a revolution. And we just want more people to understand, like, there's more to life out there than living paycheck to paycheck. Rant over. Did you breathe? I told you I had something to say. (laughs) I was just on Instagram. And I believe you did hit all five blog post articles. There you go. (laughs) Okay, guys, well, I'm gonna wrap it up here. But before I let each of you go, I do want to have you, one, rate the movie and whether or not you'd recommend it. So just give it like a out of five stars or whatever. And two, let's hear a New Year's resolution because we are about to go into a brand new decade, 2020. So Jolie, I'm going to start with you. Rate the movie and what's a New Year's resolution? Just something really quick, 30 seconds. So I would rate the movie probably say like a four stars. And I think I agree mostly with Courtney's first point was that it's, it's there. It actually exists. And that is a huge win. You know, whether you like it or not is debatable. And I think that that's the great point is that you can debate it. Uh, I do have an exciting announcement is that I am going to be hosting an open viewing for playing with fire on February 22nd at 1 p.m. So for anyone, I know, I know. (laughs) (laughs) So finally getting everything coordinated. So I have it booked for, again, February 22nd, 1 p.m. here in Calgary. I will get the ticket stuff started out here soon. But mark your calendar and drop me a note if you're interested in joining us. I will be showing the the movie and then we'll have a panel discussion and there might be someone familiar also with me chatting there. And then we'll have some snacks afterwards. Yeah, go Jolie for setting that up. Go Calgary. <laughs> yeah. I'm so jealous of you guys out on the West Coast. There's like 19,000 of you pursuing <laughs> FI. And then I'm just hearing Kitchener like twiddling my thumbs. Hello, hello, hello. All right, Chris, what do you rate the movie and a quick New Year's resolution? Yeah, that's four out of five. I mean, I, we're, we're really critical because we understand all the concepts. But uh, as everyone said, I think it's it does do better than a three out of five because it's going to start the conversation. It's going to get people thinking and get them Googling and searching, you know, what the heck is this? Like, oh, there's another way of living and, you know, spending your money and working. So uh, four out of five for starting conversations. The debates come when you get to our level, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then New Year's resolutions. I've never done one in my life. I'm, I, I don't like that. I mean, if I can't do it now, what? why would I be able to January 1st? So, But if I'm going to have to say something that I'm working on it right now is trying to find the reality of going to one vehicle because I do travel a bit with my little side hustle stuff and whatnot, but I've been focusing more on riding uh, – longer distances on bike and foot and exploring transit a bit better. So New Year's resolution, I guess, try doing one vehicle. All right. I can respect that. You kind of stole my answer. I also don't do New Year's (laughs) resolutions because 
of pretty much everything <laughs> you just said, like December 31st, January 1st, come on. Yeah. Right. But you know, whatever you, you, you put it once and now I have to. So you kind of stole my answer. Way to go. Court, uh, rate the movie out of five stars and your new year's resolution. I'd rate it. I think a three and a half, maybe three and three quarters. We'll say, um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can go right up to four. Like everyone said, you know, the fact that it's out there is awesome, right? Like that's hands down the biggest pro. You know, I think anyone who's new to fire and just wants to learn more about it, like, this is a great place to start. I would still recommend blogs and podcasts and books well on top of just the documentary, but like, it's a great starting point. Excuse me. I too don't have resolutions, but I have 2020 goals, I'll say. So first and foremost is to reach our fire number for our hopeful family of four, fingers crossed. Um, We should be there. We only have $25,000 to go to reach our family of four number. So we'll make that jump from FI as a family three to FI for a family of four. And then in tandem with that goal is to hopefully become pregnant with hopeful baby two in 2020, or else we're going to be living like Queens if that doesn't happen. Um, (laughs) and then just some other like smaller goals is we want to do a lot more camping this summer. We're really big into camping, but with a one-year-old, it's like, we found it to be nearly impossible, um, just with the light situation. So we bought this thing called a slumber pod. I don't know if any of you have heard of it. I don't know if Ryan, you have a little one Mm -hmm. heard of it, but we're testing it out. Um, it's basically this like blackout tent essentially that like goes over a pack and play. So we're bringing it with us actually this weekend and testing it out for the first time to see if it will work in this hotel that we're going to be at, where essentially like it could be light out, you can have the lights on, the sun can still be up, but it's pitch dark in this tent. And our daughter is just like horrible when it comes to sleeping, especially with any light. So fingers crossed, we can do more camping. Um, And then I also want to be able to open up a bit more to my family about fire. I am still living in this fire closet but I'm hoping, you know, by starting my Instagram and starting my blog, it's going to give me more confidence to talk to the people I actually know in real life about this. So <laughs> hopefully, you know, I, I personally... Besides us randoms, right? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> randoms. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, I can get, you know, the confidence to do that. And then I also want to start some sort of like pseudo coaching, like, really small, like maybe five people over the whole year, but I want it to be like an ongoing coaching thing where I can coach someone for like a three year or sorry, three year, three month or six month duration and like really get the ball rolling. So I want people who are actually like really committed to this. And I just want to test that out in 2020. Yeah. Just going back to your 25 grand. I mean, that's pocket change for our community you know, you just turn your couch upside down right you might even have fire already you just don't even know it well see i thought years ago a couple years ago i thought we were going to be at our number at the in 2020 or 2022 or 2023 but the way the markets have been going you know we're we're like basically there you know and i'm working part-time so i already feel like i am retired you know like i don't feel like i work at all so i'm just in this like blissful happy nirvana right now and just loving it that's the whole point yeah uh yeah i'll take my turn then so i'm actually going to give it a very bullish 4.5 stars out of five i thought it was good because it kicked open the door for conversation and i don't think they misled people i think it's very easy to get carried away with a lot of the numbers and just looking at in the fire community zoomed out you know like there is a lot of opportunity to fabricate a lot of stuff within this community. And I feel like we got just the raw truth from both Scott and Taylor. So I think they did a good job. I definitely think it needs a sequel and I think it has its flaws, but I would happily show this movie to other people without a doubt if they were interested in this. I would tell people the very first thing, don't go to Mr. Money Mustache, don't do anything else, just watch this documentary and then pick your own adventure kind of thing from there. So that's what I would recommend. As for a New Year's resolution, I kind of wish I didn't promise Chris I would do one now. (laughs) Um, I feel like I'm the type of person that I just, I get into things and then I just lose interest. I think my health is probably the biggest one. So I'm going to go with the super, super cliche New Year's resolution of improving my health. So we'll see how that bombs out as early as it can in 2020. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, that's going to be my answer. 
Anyways, guys, I want to thank you all individually for showing up to this online meetup and talking about playing with fire. I think we hashed out a lot of the movie, if not all of it. So I think we did a really great job. So that was Joe Lee from Wellbeing Coaching, Chris from The Mindful Explorer, and Court from Modern Family. Google them. You won't be sorry. Guys, have a good night. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Ryan. Awesome. And thank you, the listener, for tuning in. We'll be back with another online meetup in two weeks. And until then, feel free to chat about this one on explorifycanada.ca or Chooseify Canada Facebook group. I promise to respond to all the feedback. If you want your voice heard on the next online meetup, feel free to contact me, Ryan Murix, on either Explorify Canada or Facebook. It's actually quite easy to participate. You only need a headset, such as the one that came with your iPhone, and a quiet room for at least an hour. Okay, that does it for this episode. See you in two weeks. Thanks for listening. You can find all our show notes at explorifycanada.ca. Do you like what you're hearing? Help us grow by sharing the show with friends and family. Please subscribe and leave us a comment or review on your favorite podcast directory. You can also find us at our own blogs, figarage.ca, canadianfire.ca, or eatsleepbreathefy.com. Our music today was provided by Purple Planet. We'll be back with another episode soon. We'll talk then.